Well, if you wanted honesty, you've come to the wrong place. This is the Disinformed Podcast. I'm Shane. I'm John. And I'm Michael. And John, we have a glorious, glorious guest today to commemorate one year, 52 inglorious episodes of this salty little podcast. So uh, give everybody an introduction to the, uh, the the great God that's going to be joining us. <laughs> I mean, I mean, how do you intro this man, this myth, this legend? Uh, in some corners, he's known as Slow Mobius. In other corners, he's known as Polecat Supreme. But no one can beat the infamous Dewan Johnson. We- hello. Oh, hello. I don't want anyone to beat Dewan either, so let's just keep that known. How are you doing, No sir? one can. No one can. Doing good. Doing good. Thanks to be here, man. I'm, well, I'm ready. We're elated to have you, and we're going to try to keep it somewhat interesting here. So, gentlemen, I wasn't entirely certain how we were going to go down memory lane here this evening. It's, uh, you know, we could have done the the full ladies and germaphobes intro. We could have thrown on the by the robotham. Uh, well, so, oh, well, I'm just going to oh. we stepping on each other's. Yeah, it's going to wow, happen already. Oh, I just think it's really, really awesome that we've we've had a video guest before on the After Dark segment, which we do after the show wraps um, on YouTube. Um, but we've never actually had a proper guest for a full length audio episode. So, Dewan, you uh, you you win. You I'm are as proper as it gets. I know, right? <laughs> uh, but anyway, Shane, you were saying before I rudely cut you off. Well, uh, you know, I didn't throw in the the by the eternal. And, uh, you know, I don't know if we want to celebrate that. There's just so many ways that we can hit our touchstones and our callbacks to our previous episodes. Or we could just not note that at all and just go forward. You know, I kind of like to do it all. Yeah, I kind of like taking the approach of like Breaking Bad, you know, where Breaking Bad's first season was six episodes. And then it wasn't until season two where you're like, oh, shit, now I know what this show's about. Yeah. What you season know? was it where the girl threw up and, and died? Season two. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, we, we actually just had a girl throw up who works with dead people on the last episode. So. Oh fuck! I forgot to talk to. I forgot to get Kristen to send me the clip because Kristen. Call back. <laughs> <laughs> Kristen uh, texted me after listening to last week's episode. And she goes, "I'm pretty sure I have that video still." Um, and I was like, "Can you please fucking find that in one day?" and send it to me because I would just hold the phone up to the microphone just to get that clip but we are very good at planting seeds and then paying it off later as I've learned this week on some some research uh, don't don't look at me that way some of us some of us seeds. are good about planting seeds uh, some of us avoid Uh-oh. like a plague but uh, since we're on the topic of your sister, John, and uh, <laughs> oh, shit. not to get Duan too excited, uh, <laughs> don't get me in trouble. <laughs> if I have proven nothing over the course of my life, it's that when I get into the end zone, I'm spiking the fucking football. So, uh, who who was it that uh, enjoys? The My Immortal readings, John? What was this? What was that? About that segment of the episode you've been apologizing over for the last month and a half? Now suddenly is everybody's favorite thing. Now before I address <laughs> before I address the sore winner in the room. Yes. Let me just go ahead and preface it by saying that, you know, Kristen has finally listened uh, to the podcast and she said that it was a lot of fun. She likes the fact that Michael's a punching bag. Um, she's, Jesus. <laughs> it comes with the territory, it's fine. <laughs> 
He's used Rock, to it. It's a living. Um, <laughs> Shut up and get back in your box. But, you but she, 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 ah. she requested to know when the uh, when the My Immortal fanfic readings began. But also, let's let's take a quick second to acknowledge that mentally she's not in her right state of mind. You know, she works in healthcare right now, so she's she's encumbered. Uh, so she doesn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> yeah, uh, sounds about right. <laughs> she's also not the only one in that family that suffers from that. I'm afraid. <laughs> Oof. I don't have any excuses. I'm just fucked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, when y'all say Maya Mortal, it seems like y'all keep, y'all are about to start talking about Maya Moore, the WNBA star. Wait, well, I, mean, I was like, possible. oh, <laughs> I I don't know anything about this. Shane, do you know anything about the Queen of the Hockey Assist? Yes, uh, yeah, we're all around. <laughs> The world, the best soccer player ever. Yes. I am so lost, but okay. Yeah, I accept it. I was going to say, if we really want to get truly divergent on paths here, Dewan and I can just sit and talk about the Suns victory uh, yesterday for, you know, a good 40 to 45 minutes. John doesn't know what a Devin Booker is. I actually do know. Isn't Booker the guy that that looks like he's dead inside? Like he has like shark eyes? Like he's, uh, there's a, he looks like a fucking He's dating Kendall Jenner. Okay, then yeah, he's definitely dead inside. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, for I have really enjoyed just the sheer volume of slander that the Suns had enjoyed. Where like, well, you know, them and the Wizards, everybody's just going to pound them into sand over the course of this. And it's like, oh, they're three and zero. Oh, they beat the Clippers. Oh, I'm sorry. They're going to find a way to screw it up, though. We all know this. I mean, always. I just, I, I have <laughs> to take the victories when they happen. Because if you True. don't celebrate the little things, we're just going to start, you know, driving ourselves into cliffs. Yeah, and, and pre Fair. the world being on fire, you remember, Dewan, when we were working together. By the way, uh, to the listeners who don't know, Dewan and I met uh, through an anonymous uh, sex website. No, uh, we... It was love at first sight. <laughs> uh, Dewan and I were co-workers at Bottle Shop 48 before the world got set on fire. And also, Dewan finally got the call to a job he's been waiting for for a long time. Uh, which, by the way, congratulations again, Dewan. I'm really happy for you. Thank you. Thank Authentically. you. Authentically. Um, Pimping that easy. Anyway, I was working. <laughs> <laughs> I was working a shift at Bottle Shop, and you know we had uh, sports on in the background. We had basketball in the background, and some guy just kept talking about how well the fucking Suns were doing. And I arbitrarily, in that moment, decided to try and follow the NBA season from that point on and root for the Suns because at that point, what they'd beat the Lakers. The, the, at the start of the season, they were doing really, really well, just like you're saying right now, Shane. Mm-hmm. And uh, it didn't take me a long time to realize why Suns fans get so bitter. It's a rollercoaster <laughs> well, ride. Yeah. Well, here's what's even funnier is it was so cute seeing John put on sports. He's like, guys, can we put on the Suns game? He don't know shit about basketball. No. Or then uh, during college football season, he'll be like, can we watch USC? It's like, who are they playing? I don't know, but Becky likes it. <laughs> it's like, it's like when it's a blowout. He's like, whatever. When, you're, when your girlfriend walks into the room with like a pizza and a beer and a negligee and she's like, I know you've had a really hard day. It's like, okay, how much money do I need to give you? <laughs> just, let's just get this out of the way <laughs> pretty much <laughs> and what's funny is since we're talking about origin stories uh dewan and i met in an entirely different fashion but we met through my favorite website blackpeoplemeet.com we did we did <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> 
So, I looked and said, he doesn't look black. And it's like, well, some people think I'm Spanish. So <laughs> let's, we're both passing, I guess. I don't know. But yeah. As, we, as we've we, said, I thought it was a cannibalism site when I signed up. And I was just <laughs> really disappointed by the time I left. And now you have a black friend. <laughs> I, and it's, I'm all the better for it, my friend. But I still... I still managed to get the black people meet, and that's why we're very close friends. <laughs> very sorry, true. Renee. Very, very sorry. Oh, my God. She, she understands. She knows who I am. Uh, man. But all, I wish I had a cool story for how I met Dwan. He was probably just yelling at me that I'm too drunk at, at Bottle Shop. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have another stout. <laughs> I bet Dewan has cut you off, Michael, more than I ever have. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, give give him that look. You guys know what's funny is there's a show called Indian Matchmaker. Oh my god, yes. Have you watched it? No, but it's it's. I've literally heard so much about it at this point that I don't need to. Well, there's a there's a character that I swear to God, me and Renee, as soon as he stepped on the scene, was like. That reminds me of Mike. And like to oh, a no. T, his mannerisms, the way he speaks. <laughs> no. He's a he's a smart dude. He's an educator. And he just he looks like you. He talks like you. <laughs> except he has a little bit more melanin. That is it. Uh, <laughs> also, I would assume that his parents are probably having as much difficulty getting him married as, you know, Michael is having <laughs> presently. Mike Michael had his chances. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Oh man, oh. it's getting hot in here. <laughs> I just, again, I know that we're we're super early into the episode yet, but it's just really nice having my my taste maker uh, in in involved in the show because I I didn't know what was cool and what wasn't cool until I met Dewan. Um He was always trying to put on some noodly nonsense, and I'm like, yo, my man. Check this out. It's just a it's just a guitar and a dream and, and he went and listened to it. He was still put on this noodly nonsense, but we found common ground. We I got him hip to a lot of stuff. You, he never knew about Jason Isbell before me. <laughs> Shane, I, I'm very happy that you introduced him to Coheed and Cambria. I mean I did. I did. I'm very pleased that you got him around to that. Before that it was all Steve Miller band and that's it. He's <laughs> just had Frankenstein on a loop for you know forty seven weeks. I was like, John, come on, man, you gotta play something else. And then we put on like Bad Company or something. I'm like, ah. I'm also really pleased that you managed to talk John off of the ledge once you know Getty Lee finally shuffled loose of the Mortal Coil because I know Rush Oof. was basically John's only for at least the four years. John, period. we have a great story. Do you want to tell the we story? Do have a story? Oh my oh, god, no. we were. Until hey, he said that, I didn't even realize that it was that it was you and I working together that night because the beautiful. Let it, th- go let ahead. it never be said. I don't know how to fucking segue on my own podcast, sir. <laughs> you do a very good job, Shane. Thank you. Um, the best. I've been. I've talked about this a hundred times since this uh, this COVID stuff. But the main thing that I miss about like bar culture and the culture that we have over at Bottle Shop is just the immense amount of shit talking that we were granted uh like it was basically 80 percent of the job was knowing how to how to talk shit and i really really miss that that being said (laughs) wear a mask stay home don't be a fucking maniac still because as predicted we did the wrong thing for months and months and months 
that being said, back in the day, uh, Michael, his former roommate, and their how to describe what this fellow looks like. You guys, you're friends with him still, right? Yes. He helped. Not me after move. this. How would you describe how he looks? Um, like a rush like fan. Me, I guess. <laughs> Wait, Dwan, what'd you say? Like a rush fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a big Rush fan. You, can, you know what? You can oh, I got it. As a good description. Sure. And Randis has some really good ideas. Michael, here you're gonna like this. Oh. You're gonna like this, and you're not used to me complimenting you. Oh no, I, I don't think I can handle he it. He kind of looks like the RC Cola version of you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <geez>. <laughs> <laughs> you can't afford that three dollars. So you can get that dollar fifty joint. <laughs> You're Doctor Pepper, and he's Mister Pib. You know what I mean? <laughs> Actually, that's Mister Pib. Mister Pib's better. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, he's the Colt Forty Five, Michelob Ultra. What? Where? <laughs> but, so, yeah, Ben, I make fun of Paps. <laughs> We only drink hams in this podcast. Uh, I only get a papped smear. Thank you. (laughs) There he goes. (laughs) Uh, It is a Saturday night or a Friday night. Dewan and I are working together. We're behind the bar. Michael, his roommate, and the RC Cola Michael are all sitting in the the immediate row in front of us. And before we started our shift, uh, the news came out that uh, Neil Pert, right? Neil Pert. Yeah, Yeah, that Neil Pert had passed away. And neither Dewan or I are were uh, Rush fans. I, I'm still not a Rush fan. Lies. Yeah. And the most annoying thing throughout the entire shift were the smattering of people that were like, "You should put on Rush because Neil Pert died." And Dewan and, and there's I, a bunch of neckbeards too. Like yeah. they weren't even like cool people. It, and it was people that otherwise you know that they don't listen to Rush every day. Like they're they're not. It's not important to their mm-hmm. lives in any way, shape, or form. They just want to try and flex uh, and like pretend to be engaged in the the current mm. topic. And both Dewan and I kind of have like a typeset response, and it's my one of my favorites where they'd say that they'd be like you should put on some Rush tonight because Neil Pert died. And we're like, nah, man, we like good music. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> or my favorite from Dewan is like, yeah, put ten dollars in that tip jar. You know, like. I'll play whatever you want. Shit. Yeah, you get one. You get one shot at the uh, at the radio if you throw ten dollars in the tip jar. I like it. And I don't remember. You can probably take it over here from here to one, but I just remember that we were RC Cola. Mike was getting peripherally uh, all the things that we were saying against Neil Pert and against Rush. And throughout the course of the night and the course of the beers running through him, uh, got a little more and more upset. So yeah, so <laughs> he's. Obviously, kind of irritated, and and everybody is kind of like, I want to play this song. I want to play this song. We just kept shutting that shit down. And he was just like, hey, man, I'm a huge Rush fan. And he kind of does like this, like pointing at his shirt. Yeah, because he probably had a Rush shirt. Yeah, and I'm like, well, I have a band shirt on, too, but we're listening to Dave Matthews right now. I don't know what to say. We might not have been listening to Dave Matthews, but Probably were. Yeah. (laughs) Probably were. It was either that or tuxedo, and uh, and I'm like, yo, my man, just uh, I don't know, go home and play it, or I'll play it in a little bit. But right now, it's it's rush time, and <laughs> funny enough, <laughs> it was <Zing. laughs> it was the busy time, and just didn't want to hear that shit. Like a bunch of noodly bass playing, weird vocals and lyrics, and nah, man. I'm like, I'll play it around eight or nine o'clock. If you're here, you're here. If you're not, you're not. Why did why did this dude 
damn near start crying and then try and dry snitch to the manager. The manager ends up putting it on and we're like, all right, so you get this one song. Did you feel satisfied? Because we're going to change it right after this song is over. Yeah, congratulations. you didn't even get to hear a good song. Yeah, you had XYZ. (laughs) You asked the one lady who don't know shit about nothing as far as music goes to uh <laughs> to play a song i know enough about rush i know i don't like it but i would at least be able to throw you like at least a 10 minute live version of some hype shit but no 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 you had a bad attitude so guess what you get a damn near interlude i love it and that <laughs> that's what he got he was so mad yeah and Goodness. that's so that's another cool thing and it's where when getting to know you better, Dewan, you started reminding me of Shane. So it's nice to have you two in the same room. Your guys' oh. knowledge on deep cuts and like little like Snapple facts on bands and music, outs- even outside of the genres that you listen to, are astounding to me. Agreed. Well, you have to admit it. I do know about all the music. You basically invented Pretty much, music. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't play any instruments. I can't carry a tune, but hey, hey, you play my I can heart every to week. Sad music, yeah. and I can <laughs> and I can listen to sad music with the best of them. Uh, so it's kind of all that matters. I am most certainly the RC Cola version of Duan. <laughs> <laughs> if if I played an instrument at any level, <laughs> well, we're starting a punk band soon. We are. We're start- actually it's going to be a hardcore punk band. Yeah, they're not go. just doing. <laughs> it's it's gonna be it's gonna be to the vein of simple plan, kind of like a uh I don't know, uh good Charlotte kind of deal. It's all about PMA, baby. Some some uh <laughs> MCR as well, sure, if we want to throw that in. Don't no, but start we're, we're Michael. All... <laughs> <laughs> uh. Me and John are gonna start a punk band. It's gonna be uh it's gonna be kind of like the vein of a H two O or or just like that like New York hardcore shit. And it's just going to be all about that positive attitude, PMA, PMA baby. I got uh, PMA baby. I well, got John hip to that shit. Uh, long ago. Shane and Michael, um, you might like this because I. Okay, so I know the first CD that I ever bought with my mm. own money, and I've told Dewan this. I'm pretty sure I've told Shane this too, but it was Nine Days, uh, the Madding Crowd. Okay, <laughs> you know, Michael, do you know the? This is the story of a girl. That oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yes. I, that was the first album I ever bought with my own money. Don't try to educate the man about nine days. He knows nine days. <laughs> so I told, Dewan, I told Dewan this one night, and uh, you probably have the Snapple fact already in your head. You're like, oh, yeah, those those guys already had this other band before nine days, and it was a pretty good band. And then they went and did nine they days. Were the back in, they were the backing band for, uh, what's my man's name? Uh, ben Folds. I had no idea. But anyway. So the, this, I promise this is leading here. The second CD I bought with my own money was Newfound Glory's Sticks and Stones. And, <laughs> and Sticks and Stones and Newfound Glory, I kind of treated like a moped band for a long time where I was embarrassed to like them. Mm. Dewan taught me it's not embarrassing to like Simple Plan because it's just hardcore disguised as pop. They just. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. There, there's a lot of pop punk bands where you, where especially if you hear them in interviews, they're like, "Oh, dude, I was 100% a hardcore kid, but I had these emotions," or "I was a hardcore kid, but the singer 
wanted to sing about girls and the guitar player liked pop pump so we did that and i'm a hardcore guitar player so i'll play with this and yeah man it was you listen to newfound glory and it's 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 poppy because of the singer likes pop stuff but hey man that chad geber fella get a get a mean uh breakdown going well and, it's also all downhill from there <laughs> Now, seriously, after knowing, after <laughs> getting that knowledge, if you listen back, and I and I've listened back to Sticks and Stones a bunch now, the guitar in particular in that album, and like if you just remove the vocals, it's heavy as fuck, dude. Yeah. So I would implore you, please, if you haven't, just go go listen to it again. Everyone, go listen to Newfound Glory in in an hour or two. Don't do it now. Uh, let's also, <laughs> since we're dialed in here, I also remember the first CDs that I ever purchased. So if we're going to start outing ourselves, yeah, let's do that. Our, let's our do that. Yeah, let's yeah, do that. I'm ready. It's a fun way. Michael's, I'm sure, is going to be riveting. A, uh, oh yes. <laughs> now that's what I call music six. Oh, the Dungeons no. and Dragons. Excuse me. It had to have been the first one. It is right. the beer barrel polka as performed by <laughs> Chubby Heifer and the Midnight Machachas, I believe. So you the give too much credit Tom, there. The the first uh, CD I ever bought was in Phoenix. We were on a trip. I snagged Counting Crows, Recovering the Satellites, because my brother had August and everything after, and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to grab this because it, it came out that day. So I got exceedingly excited. And then a week later, I was in a drugstore in the White Mountains, and not one of the hep drugstores like you read about. But uh, I snagged <laughs> the uh, the Dave Matthews band uh, Crash as my as my. Oh, second. yeah. So because I had caught the um, the video for too much was on VH1, probably like the week prior to that. And I went, I like this band. This is very interesting. And then went like whole hog on Dave Matthews from that point forward. Nice. To the extent wrong with that. My, uh, my high school guitar, which John performed on stage with, has got the Fire Dancer logo on uh, one of the upper segments. So I do remember that. That's what you get to live with. So, uh, Duwan, since you are the guest here, we'll, we'll keep Michael to the last so that we can, you know, just <laughs> try to not retch when we get to it. Fair. Yeah, right. <laughs> So, the first one I actually remember buying, like, with my own money, was uh, The Bizarre Ride to the Far Side, by the Far Side. And outside of uh, the the song that was, like, really rad and everybody knew, Passing Me By, it was a pretty crazy album that pretty much was just like, if you smoked a bunch of weed, you would love it. But I was 10 years old and didn't smoke any weed. So, I was just like, oh... All these songs, I get zero reference, but it's cool. And then after that, I kind of went down a weird spiral of like, do you, oh, you guys probably don't remember. There's a song called Gangster Lean that uh, it's a cool song, but it, it, it was like an urban top 10 hit kind of deal. Okay. Sounds like a Fred the, Green song. Dude, it's crazy. Like, it's it's a real cheesy song that was a hit in like 91, 92. But the rest of the album was just like the most gangster R&B I've ever heard in my life. Like to the point where like me and my brother are trying to listen to it now. And it's so just mean and evil and just <laughs> wrong. Like there's like just all this stuff they're talking about. I'm like, how did my parents let me listen to this shit? <laughs> we were listening to like 
MC Ren and, and, and early Scarface and Ghetto Boys and like early 3-6 Mafia and like all this shit. They're just like talking about the most insane stuff. And I was just like, I don't know. Uh, I promise I won't sing the songs. That's all my dad cared about. He's like, if I catch you singing these songs and whatever, but we can listen to it. Oof. So you'll you'll appreciate this because I, I had my real Michael Bolton moment the other day. I'm in the front yard and on my Spotify nonsense that I've got going these days, I've just been adding on stuff that I haven't listened to in a long time. So um, The Chronic is on there. And then I, I started listening to America's Most Wanted. Now, the strangest thing in the world is being the weird, you know, skinhead white dude who's raking leaves in his front yard. Hold on, we got to say that's Ice Cube, right? Yes. Okay, so I, <laughs> for, those that, yeah. for those that don't know. And I'm, I'm sitting here <laughs> cackling to myself where I was going like in the middle of, you know, the suburban Phoenix neighborhood that I'm functioning in where I'm over here listening to, to Cube talk about what payback is. <laughs> and mind you, and mind you, that was the era where everybody was like mad militant and everybody was just on like the like the black power tip and but it was it was more than just like it was like more of a black nationalist kind of thing. So these cats were talking about a, a lot of like just let's fuck up Whitey, my man. Like yeah. the, the <laughs> and the mind you, we're kids like angry, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But Cube's a genius. Like that, I, I that, totally that album agree. is like one of the best. Yeah. Yeah. I so I have a weird side story here. We'll get back onto. I uh, Melissa and I were watching it mostly. I was watching and Melissa was in the room. I threw Straight Outta Compton on the other day just because I hadn't seen it in a Great minute. Movie. And I had a a totally life altering experience when I watched this. And John's probably heard this story previously, but I know Michael hasn't. So I went to see Straight Outta Compton uh, the week that it came out, but I was working an odd schedule at the time, so I went in on a Friday morning, because I was off on Fridays and Saturdays, so the theater was completely empty. What's a theater? Hello. Not these days, unfortunately. So I'm sitting in the front row <laughs> of the back section, just kind of relaxing and, and waiting for this stuff to go on. And, of course, a gaggle of five other folks come in, and they all sit two seats away from me in the same row. So we're in a completely empty theater. No social oh distancing. God. Furthermore. Yeah, it's fucking embarrassing. Put on a mask. <laughs> and now just, you know, since, you know, I, I've obviously shown I have absolutely no qualms about touching interesting issues. So uh, this is a gaggle of African-Americans. Or as Dewan would have me say, this is some black folks. And I'm, My man. I'm sitting here. <laughs> The, like like an albino at the Apollo, so it's it's five black folks and me watching Straight Outta Compton. Now Melissa enjoys poking at me because I ride the roller coaster with movies. I cry at the drop of a hat. Like I experience every emotion. I fully invest. So when they get to the no Vaseline scene, as you know, the rest <laughs> of the guys are sitting around listening. I am cracking up because I'd forgotten just how many zingers exist in that song and watching everybody oh, yeah. kind of just bear the discomfort. And particularly once, you know, Yella's kind of in that state of like, gotta admit, shit's kind of funny. Uh, and so I'm having the moment where I, I look across the aisle and the gentleman who is sitting, you know, the two seats close to me kind of looks at me and gives me, you know, the little, little nod and we're just laughing together. I'm like, oh, it's a nice shared experience. And we're we're both enjoying the film, and so yeah, this is how f 
blasted Caucasian Shane is. So <laughs> I have to Caucasian Shane. <laughs> I have to I have to sidebar to say that at the same time this is happening, my mother is in Texas with my uh, sister and some other folks, and she's in a in a quick trip. She is purchasing like forty dollars worth of material because my mother cannot leave a place without getting diabetes again. So. <laughs> She's handed the gentleman cash to pay for the drinks, but she's talking a mile a minute to everybody else in the room. And the, she turns around and the gentleman is like this. Now, for the listeners at home, you're not going to see this. But the gentleman's holding his hand out to her. And my mother, of course, not missing a beat, turns and fist bumps him. <laughs> <laughs> and he, of course, says, this is your change. <laughs> Which, my man. My mother being my mother. You know, dabs again. She goes like, "Well, this is how we do it in Arizona," and and hits him, and then so. Oh God! So this is my mother. You got it smooth. If you're gonna do it, at least commit, right? So yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. She's, she's so not gonna admit defeat there. That's, that's to the nines. <laughs> so cut back to her son at this exact same moment is sitting in a movie theater in Phoenix, Arizona, and we get to Easy in the hospital, dying of <sighs> of AIDS. And I have completely come undone. There is snot actually dribbling out of my nose. I'm like ugly crying and like the kids talk about these days. I'm like, <laughs> and I turn and the gentleman sitting next to me is rolling a tear. And he and I are both experiencing this and I'm going, dear God, I'm, I'm crying at this movie. But it really was a touching scene and it's tragic. The, you know, the excess is finally catching up. And so... As this is happening, I we kind of lock eyes, and he reaches out, and he extends the hand. <laughs> so we fist bump Down across the aisle. And I left that movie where I'm going like, what a weird avenue cinema is that it can allow two people that we'd never met before in our lives. You know, I don't know him. He does not know me. But we're sitting here. And the funniest thing of the whole thing is we're crying over a man who banged so many hoes. In his own parlance, that he contracted AIDS and is dying from it, but yet he and I are sharing this tearful, touching moment with one another over the tragedy of the the loss of life there. But it's just, it's a strange, you know, situation to experience. He did win the war, though, between him and Dr. Dre on the songs. Real motherfucking cheese is way doper than uh, whatever the hell Dr. Dre came uh, up with. Bitches ain't shit, as they say. That is the jam, though. It is. You can't play, yes. you, you can't play that around your girlfriend, though. That's, that, that, that'd be, oof. I'll do the, uh, the Ben Folds version. <laughs> yeah, and make it, it sexy. goes over a little better, yes. Nah, they did that back in 2000. We don't do that no more. All right. They got, y'all got in trouble. Y'all, y'all did too much with that one. Yeah, I'm, I'm very content without the, uh, <laughs> the edgy pop goes uh like rap goes pop compilations i'm, I'm good yes. without i'm uh, good without that now the good old Whereas, goes acoustic since we can't go been there uh, done that yeah since we can't go an episode without disparaging sam uh, our violinist oh. um hey sam oh she doesn't listen so she's never gonna hear it <laughs> <laughs> she's been a guest on the show twice <laughs> on the video chat um, she's subscribed to it has never heard five minutes Back, damn so six years ago when i met sam and we were you know getting to know each other by getting drunk with each other i don't know if it was almost every other time uh, she would play say anything doing a cover i don't remember what song but it was one of those it was a hip-hop song it was like part of that compilation 
and she just mm-hmm. thought it, she just it's, thought it was uh, such a big deal. Hey, dirty, I think. Yeah. Yes. But anyway, Michael, we have, as always, forgotten. Save the best for last. You. No. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Michael. hold on. Let me prepare. My love, my flame, Michael, what were the first two CDs that you ever bought? And if you say anything silly, Dewan's going to drive to your house and beat the shit out of you. With a well, he he might as and well then I'll start hug you driving. Afterwards. Uh, my first album <laughs> was the <laughs> for the listeners. Dewan has gotten out of his chair. He will be at Michael's place in ten minutes. <laughs> Michael's, um, Michael's actually decided to preemptively bleed so that he looks a little more pitiful <laughs> when Dewan makes it to the house. All right, Michael, tell that us. Was about- fucked up. <laughs> All right, Michael, tell us tell us about the first time you listened to Five Finger Death Punch. Um, Damn. I can't remember that. But my first album was the Digimon soundtrack, the Digimon Of course it was some nerdy shit. I knew it would be something nerdy. I said Carl Sagan earlier thinking it was a joke, and now you did something worse than that. You oh might as well have just been like, so the first album I ever bought was actually The just Digimon a, soundtrack, not even Pokemon. <laughs> Digimon. No, the the movie had just come out, and for and, and it was it was a bunch of like '90s like ska pop hits and stuff like that. It was it was cool. Oh, the Aquabats. Uh, That's what like you're listening to. One week by Bare Naked Ladies, and and you know Jesus st- stuff like that. Okay, okay. So, I was expecting you know like Striper or In Sync. So I mean, you've at least gotten close. You, to the, do you know the what second I was one? Uh, can I guess? The second one was uh, yes. Go for it. Was it the Microsoft Office install CD? <laughs> yes, that is my favorite album to listen to. I put it in my Walkman all the time when I'm just dancing in the room. Uh, oh, no, Jesus. Shane was only slightly off. So I think it was uh, it was a fast food joint. It was McDonald's. I think had a uh, had a a sort of like promotion for I think it was Backstreet Boys' second album, Pop or something like that. And so they came out with three different versions. Actually, of the that second album. album was Millennium. Thank you. Oh shit! Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Self-titled was, was first. Yes, you're right. Yeah, My apologies. <laughs> Jesus, get it together. It's Educated. fucking embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> but so they released three different versions of it, and I think I got the gold one uh, from McDonald's that I bought with my own money. So that's those are my two: Digimon soundtrack and uh, Backstreet Boys. Followed. So by we Golden know not Shower. to ask Michael about any pop, uh, any pop culture stuff anymore. Oh no! So I, <laughs> fifty-two episodes of me not understanding any pop culture references. I'll tell you that. I think I have a little framework of where we can go from here. Uh, so don't what. Man, <laughs> don't look at me that way. I told you I was steering this ship, motherfucker. Fine, steer. That was so disappointing. No, please steer the ship. No, take um, your take your time. The HMS <laughs> Panafore. So, Dewan. Uh, after we asked Dewan to be on the show, it kind of motivated him to go back and listen to the most recent episode. And I, I really liked getting the feedback. And it's always nice to get feedback. We ask for it all the time. So if you've made it this far, which you should have, because this is probably my favorite episode we've recorded so far. Um, it's nice getting the feedback in real time. So Dewan was like, hey, that was actually really, or, uh, not to steal your words out of your mouth when you're in the room, Dewan, but you were saying it was fun. <laughs> but then you're like, yeah, I stopped when that nonsense came on at the end, though. Fair. <laughs> but so. I know nothing about it, man. It's fine. We will give you, we can give you like the, uh, you know, I don't know. Anyway, 
Um, I I don't know what he's saying, no, Shane. Please, I'm, please I'm help. Gonna, fucking losing it here. Can I can I reel <laughs> back to the fact that I actually had, as we you know refer to it in the show, a Sigourney segue. I was going to say, oh, yeah. speaking of shit music, Alien. we're going to talk about some right now from oh. uh, John's past. I was going to say Dwan's missed a lot of inside jokes or whatever, but the main inside joke is that, Michael, if you you could name any movie, and I can almost guarantee, unless it's something very, very odd, he's probably never seen it. Yes. Jesus. Yeah. We got to help that man. He owns three <laughs> copies of the talented Mr. Ripley, and I think that's the only thing he's ever seen. The best movie ever. Michael, have you actually seen that movie? Oh, my God. Michael, have you seen that movie? movie? <laughs> no, I haven't. Because he's Mr. Ripley. God damn that guy. He, well, here the unfortunate thing <laughs> I don't is get it. he bought it because of the cover. And, uh, you know, he's, he's <laughs> this just looks keeps, like a fun movie. He keeps forgetting that he bought it, so he Michael? has multiple copies of saying, around. Sounds about right. Yeah. All, All right. right. <laughs> so, John, back around, you know, the, the turn of the century, <laughs> had uh, decided <laughs> that he was going to grow his bangs long and he was going to, you know, play a bunch of really aggressive music. Jeez and, Louise. And uh, he <sighs> he managed to meet me at this time. And I was just crying into a microphone in front of people in public and expected them to somehow compensate me with something more than derision. I don't know how that worked out either ways, but it's, it's still get. happening now. So I sent a picture of our, the band promo to that group chat that we shared to get Dewan coordinated. So uh, eventually, if he wants to see what I looked like back then, uh, he can he can see. That. Oh, I saw Another what you looked pearl. like back then. Yeah, um, the I wouldn't call so it a glow up, but you look better. Thanks, baby. <laughs> um, so to elaborate a little bit before you you jump on that, do it. So Shane and I have been on the nostalgia train of going back on all the projects that we've been in and kind of looking at like the self growth and the the quote that I use all the time and I've used it here before is that if you're if you look back on yourself and you're not wincing a little bit, then it means you really haven't grown as a person. And I really agree with that because I've listened to a lot of the early demos of like the first things I've ever wrote and a lot of demos from the first band I was ever in and I want to go back in time and just viciously beat myself to death. Um, just, it's really, really fucking bad. But this project in particular uh, that we're going to get into was this weird moment that was, it was a stepping, a stepping stone to getting to actually doing things that I enjoy. I, so prior to this, like, I really didn't understand melody at all. I was very atonal and not because it was stylistically a choice, but because I just didn't know what I was doing. But anyway, hey, you you liked that note a lot and you wanted to use it. <laughs> well, see, <laughs> uh in jazz, Shane, we play all the notes. Indeed. Roy hey, Donk. Hey, cowboy chorus. <laughs> Brown note. He was king of the tuck tuck sound. He uh. could hit the high C all night long. <laughs> Gives me the shakes. If you know, I can't you know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Shane, what are we doing? So we are going to flow back via the flux capacitor, or as Ebony would say, in our Tim machine, and we're going to uh, stumble across an exclusive interview that I conducted with John and the other members of the band The Hellfire Club. Uh, back in, I, I forget when we even did this. I should have included the actual publication date. I thought I did. I but... think it was 2012. Okay. 
well, the world was ending, so I yeah, mean, it's appropriate. I mean, we were all depressed in 2012. So for for this, because I I didn't go searching for it, but Shane, I think you you said it. You were you were a journalist back then I, for Amp Kicker magazine, yeah, or Zine. What, Zine magazine is what? What the fuck's the difference? A zine? I have it. Zinny. It's actually pronounced. It's actually pronounced <laughs> Meme. Um, Meme. <laughs> and I like Tianif. Uh, yeah, it's actually the butt. God. Now we're talking. <laughs> there are no rails for this show. So, uh, we, I, good lord, now I'm all, nah, caught a case of the vapors. Uh, whilst I was, I, I basically somewhat gotten sick of playing music in public. And, uh, so this was how I was sating my appreciation and adoration for music at the time as I just decided to write about it. And we called ourselves independent music advocates. So we would only talk about stuff we liked. Oh, Jesus. We're not keen on, you know, trying to be slanderous. And I don't dig on trying to listen. If I hate Taylor Swift, I can gripe about it for days. They're not going to pull her off the shelf. It's just, but she worked to... with Bonnie, Bonnie Vare and the dude from the national. So you have to like it. Indeed. <laughs> Come on, <Nothing>. Shane. <laughs> <laughs> so if I put peanut butter and jelly around a piece of dog shit, somehow that means that that's going to be more palatable to me. But we call that, well, I'm allergic. So <laughs> we call that DJ sneaky snakes dinner. <laughs> Indeed. So long story short, too fucking late. Uh, John and I had met, uh, and we've detailed sort of our own past previously. But uh, I, he mentioned he was in a group at the time, and we were doing some shows together as sort of like solo singer songwriters. When I was just trying to get a little money in my pocket, and so I asked, "Well, if you boys have you know some material that you're going to be debuting, I'll do a quick interview. We'll do a write up, and we can get you a little uh, attention for you know." what little attention I am capable of providing you through this glorious right. online fashion. <laughs> and so we elected to do this quick. So we did this via a written sort of like... Um, like a questionnaire. Essentially. So that I wasn't going to call anybody and, and ruin an afternoon with trying to figure out how to do what we're doing right now, 10 years into the future. And so uh, this is the transcript of that interview Oh, and so, Jesus. Michael, I'm uh, I'm going to have you essaying the role of our good friend Jason, who was another co-founder of this band. Yes. And so you, you've got your highlighted section there in blue. John will be himself. Uh, I, I was actually really tempted to make Dewan be you, John, just so that we could, you know, make this more entertaining. It's Well, let's... Well, let's so that actually sounds more fun. Dewan, I, I, Dewan do you let's have... Let's see... Uh, sorry. Do I have what? Uh, so, do you have an open device? Are you just recording on your your Zoom, or do you have your phone? Don't make him touch anything. My man, I am I am almost thirty eight years old. Don't ask me this. All right, fine, fine, fine. fine. <laughs> I right, barely fine. figured so, this out. Fair, fair, All right, fair. so but I, will, I do uh, want to know. I do want to know what uh, John's first band sounds like for the people that that aren't initiated. Yes. Well, if I can make a note, Michael, if you wanted to play thirty seconds of it, you could play it right now. Bam, cool. But Done. Now that wow, that was here, a great uh, riff song. 
to uh, <laughs> just put on but, put on all of 21, 2112, just the whole album. I'm going to pull from, from Dre for just a second. <laughs> Damn, that shit was dope. Essentially, what the band was is that we were trying to do like high energy, like party rock. Like the, the other members were all in the same metal band together, and that's how you're, I met them. You're ruining the delivery. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll shut get, the fuck up. Get into this shit. Right. <laughs> Here is my intro. Hellfire Club is a party rock quintet from Gilbert, Arizona, that is just <laughs> starting their descent. <laughs> no. That is just starting their ascent of the local music ladder, but has made a major impact on the scene in their infancy. Reaching the finals in KUPD's The Battle for Desert Uprising, because <laughs> KUPD's classy, uh, Battle of the Bands in September, the boys have been on the lips and in the ears, figuratively, folks, don't linger in the gutter, uh, of Valley Music fans since. The group is currently culling material to create a full-length LP, but you can sample some of their tunes via their Facebook page or by examining our previous article about their song, Exit Sign, which was a very tasty track. John, I do have to give you credit. Bless you. Yes. So, in this exclusive interview with AmpKicker.com, which I was not able to pull up the other day, so I had to drag this out of my archives. I don't know if something happened to Scott's page, but uh, just the second I need to use it, it, it dies. Uh, here are the boys to fill us in on their origins, their style, and what's on the horizon for the fearsome fivesome. Jesus. So sit back and indulge yourselves, friends. So here is me, Shane, diving in. Good day, gentlemen. Uh, let me thank you at the outset for taking a moment to impart some information to our readers. Dear God, impart. can this man get off his fucking high horse? <laughs> oh, I'm an English major. Look at me. All right. <laughs> Firstly, can we have you all identify yourselves and your role in the group? I am the vocalist and lyricist of the project. And you have to say your name. John Watkins. I'm going to butcher his last well, name. Well, you don't have but... to say his last yeah, name. Yeah, let's not say his last name. Okay, cool. I am Jason. Well done. And Ugh. I play guitar. So what is the etymology of the name? Oh, Jesus Christ. Hellfire. <laughs> <laughs> etymology, my man? I do enjoy random obscure terms out of thesaurus.com, my friend. <laughs> Okay, so do you want me to continue reading this in Please. the third voice, or just yeah, read it in I, my voice? Just read it in your voice. It's going to be bad enough on its own. Again, I am, I'm really nervous for this shit now. Oh my god, <laughs> this is such a long fucking answer. Do it. You it thought cold damn. reads for My Immortal were bad, my friend. Just wait. <laughs> Buckle oh, no. in. It is so funny that we landed on the name Hellfire Club, and I believe we have Ryan to thank slash blame for it. Originally, when it was just Jason and I tinkering with demos for this project, parenthetical, one of which would become Exit Sign, we operated under the name Rubber Ducky Dance Party. It was once we brought Ryan Oof. in that we shifted to the name Hellfire Club at his recommendation. For one, he had good taste. No, just kidding. For one, we loved the ring it had. Secondly, under my own investigation, I found the original HFC referred to a chain of exclusive clubs that were places of persons of quality who wished to take part in a moral act. Basically made me envision an 18th century strip club, which made me laugh and appreciate the name. Thirdly, finally, and most importantly, the Hellfire Club was a society in the X-Men comics that would pit against the X-Men, parenthetical, the club still being filled with social elitist. I can't say I was immersed in the comic book world, but I always fancied the X-Men series. So that was basically the point that sold me. Wow. I'm a fucking count. 
<laughs> I, I would say comparatively between the two of us, I'm still the douchier of the two. Thank I'd you. have been like, interview over, my man. Have a good day. Like, And I've deleted your response, and I regret ever reaching out. Thank you for your I'm, time. I'm just lamenting the loss of the Rubber Ducky Dance Party. To Rubber Ducky Dance Party definitely sounds less like we're trying to crawl out of our own asshole, so yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm down for the Hellfire clip, though. Uh, so what was the genesis of the band, not the Phil Collins? Uh, were you all involved in other projects together previously? And what were they? Danny and myself were in a metal band called Detox together. Ugh. He is a guitarist, and I am the drummer. Which is weird, he said he was the guitarist earlier. Detox at one point decided we were going to start a side project that was more, quote, radio I had some rock tunes that I had written that were going to be thrown into the mix. A bit of time passed and the other guys lost interest. I did demo versions of three or four tunes musically on my own. John, who is my second engineer in the recording studio, Toxic Recording, uh, heard the tracks and wanted to give the vocal spot a stab. After what he was able to come up with, it was easy to convince Danny to come back aboard. Right about that time, I got a call from Ryan, who was looking for a band. We know each other through the drum instructor we both took lessons from years ago. After a few rehearsals, he tapped Damien to fill the bass spot, and here we sit. That sounded a lot less pretentious. Yeah, because <laughs> Jason is uh, Dewan and Shane's age, and during this, this it connects. Is that a pejorative? <laughs> it sounded like one. <laughs> Right? Jesus Christ. He basically called us boomers right on the microphone. God damn. Well, don't go Cold sucking on the Tide that. Pods yet. Um, it's no, hydroxychloroquine, I, thank you. Something, <laughs> something that I admire about Jason is that he, he did take, like, they were older than I was. I was like, I think I was 20, just turning 21 after the first two shows with this band. So I was very much like... I I don't know I I was not used to being interviewed I was not used to people even care like person or people outside of my social circle or like my band circle or anything wanting to give a fuck about what I was doing obviously so was, I'm not used to interviewing people either so I mean let's just call it what it is uh, furthermore uh, to your point Michael uh, Jason was the guitar player in the band here he was a drummer in other projects John yeah. was involved with oh, okay so. He's, so he's just good at he's everything. a multi-instrumentalist okay, thank you turns out when you have the money to invest in building your own studio onto the back of your house that it gives you the time to get away from your wife to learn other instruments and you know be a little be a little good at them here and there damn as you are well to do if if I had the money <laughs> to have a home studio I would do it immediately just so that I could you know do, do exactly what you did. Anyway. So I could be divorced. Ooh, you about to get in trouble? <laughs> she doesn't listen. It's fine. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Okay. For me, this project fell into my lap at the death of my previous project, which was Last Step Down. Jason was the last drummer we had before LSD split ways. Not only that, but I had been working with Jason for a couple years in his spacious studio as an assistant engineer. I remember frequently a year ago this month him talking about wanting to form this party rock project. His and Danny's, his and Danny's, and still current project Detox was extreme metal, and Jason wanted to slip into a project where having fun on stage and song were accepted. Also, damn near mandatory. <sighs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> Around that same time, Jason approached me with three songs, asking if I would take them home over the weekend and see what I could do to them vocally. Of those three songs, I completed two and recorded them the following week. 
Jason instantly told me I was the vocalist he was looking for. Mm-hmm. It was as shocking to him as it was to mm-hmm. me. Ha, ha, ha. As far as Ryan and Damien goes, I know that Ryan is the only quote-unquote road-torn member, formerly the founding member and drummer of Lauren Battle. He met many people on his amazing time with them, Damien being one. That almost sounds like uh, the part in My Mortal when uh, she just sings a couple of oh, lines and they to her. <laughs> yes i only wanted to pu- i only wanted to call john ebony here that's fine and that's, yeah that's why I brought since it up. duan's not uh not in on the my immortal fanfic shane would you care to tell him the full name of our of the protagonist in that fanfic ebony de arkness dementia raven way <laughs> and she kind of looks like amy lee and she wishes that she of was... Of Evanescence a- fame? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, hence why it's called My Immortal. Oh, no! I, yeah. <laughs> My friend, it, it gets worse. I assure you. Uh, hey, Dewan, Jesus Christ. Dewan, do you remember that, uh, that episode of Metalocalypse where uh, they're forced to, forced to play acoustic music? And with the grandpa's guitar, grandpa's guitars, and uh, one of them is like, it's almost like trying to unlearn the guitars. That is kind of what my immortal is like in a literary sense. It's like someone trying to unlearn how to write, but it has something to do with Amy Lee. No, that's just where she took the inspiration for the name, but it's essentially her gothic take on the Harry Potter universe where shit. Oh, Jesus, it gets worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, I respect you too much to to subject you to that. So, and you said you said as much when I when we were talking last week. So I appreciate it. <laughs> yes, liberate yourself while you can. All right. Uh, whenever we need to pull the plug on this, if it gets too excruciating, John, I just want to get to like the end sequences me, here. Yeah, but as long as you're surviving, I'm I'm surviving. Let's see where we were. Okay, go ahead. All right. So you gents describe yourselves as party rock, gents. When I hear that, <laughs> DeGent, yes. Uh, when I hear that as a descriptor, I either think of Andrew W.K. or 80s hair metal. So what does the genre label mean to you? It's the type of music you want to shake your booty to. Mm. Up-tempo oh and playful. <laughs> that was the original idea. High energy, fast tempo, very fun. Party rock. What I find the party rock genre to be is what artist you play when you get you want to get rowdy, drink, fight, copulate with a significant other, or just have a good time in general. Copulate? <laughs> Primarily. <laughs> Did Shane write that for nope, you? Nope, that was me. I know, right? <laughs> no, that, that was me. Ghostwriting ass. That was me trying to fucking impress Shane, probably. Um, <laughs> he used a lot of big words. Time to do the same. Primarily Jeez, to do uh. so, you have to keep the tempo upbeat and message concise and clear. Uh, parenthetical identif- identifiable for instance in the demo ep we've completed i believe the tempo doesn't once dip beneath 170 bpm basically by identifying ourselves as party rock we've taken on the task of writing tunes that bring forth the atmosphere of having a rowdy blast and we love writing in that mindset i hate almost everything that was written there but <laughs> comparative to the other responses it's the least in my own asshole uh... well here's the thing though so ba- like so this was a metal band right for all intents and purposes so what's party rock about that? Like I get I get the whole like okay. LMFAO party rock and I also get like the like there's a bunch of punk bands that have like this like super just like all we do is party element. So you know what I mean? Yeah, what we weren't um 
we should have just flat out said who we were trying to riff off of. And we were trying to be a more radio-friendly version of Every Time I Die. We were trying to be the damned things before the damned things really took off with their first record. I mean, I get I get that because they were a little bit more like on the on the funner side of yeah. So literally, like all the that riffs, type of metalcore. Most of the riffs that were written uh, in the little demo EP that we had, or the EP that we had, was basically like, okay, so you have every time I die, but it's approachable to people that don't want to listen to metal. Mm-hmm. That was that was the the original approach. Looking back, okay. And also to let you somewhat off the hook here, John, you know, it's really difficult to talk about yourself and you're trying not to be so painfully self-aggrandizing as to just make everybody <laughs> want to lynch you in the street. Yeah. My responses so. on this would say otherwise, because it seems like I was going out of my way to try to get people to kick my ass for me. <laughs> well, you don't refer to yourself as a golden god anywhere in the course of this. Interview, well, I'm so. a fucking genius, so I should have. Yeah. Wait till we start our wait till we start our hardcore band. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. So to the to the heart of the matter. John, this music feels like a very stark contrast to your work as a solo songwriter. Do you feel that your vocal approach is different for the band? If so, what motivates the change? Oh good, I wrote myself a paragraph or two. <laughs> Indeed, it is a very drastic change for my solo work. <laughs> but I think that vocally it is natural to tune your voice to the project at hand. My acoustic work, naturally, oh, is a Jesus. very intimate endeavor. Therefore, the melody and vocals just happen to come out in an intimate manner. I already said that. <laughs> With Hellfire <laughs> Club. He spelled manner yeah, wrong. Yeah, I fucking know. <laughs> well, With, I'm the dick who left intimate, it in, so. <laughs> in an intimate building. And you didn't even come. With Hellfire Club, I am dealing with intense and aggressive music behind me. It just kind of makes me harness that aggressive side of my persona that usually lies dormant. (laughs) Also, I wanted to challenge myself in this project, so I started writing melodies that I believe challenged me as a vocalist. I also worked on trying to expand my range. I believe the greatest vocalists out there are the ones that are constantly expanding their boundaries and even stepping outside of their comfort zone. Yuck. Yeah, uh, I'm <laughs> fuck me to death. Oh, Pin wait. me against a wall and fuck my brains out of my Jesus skull and not Christ. in a sexual way. So just that so you feel better, John, at some point I am going to pull up either um, I've offered to do the Skeleton Keys interview or uh, the one that you and I did once we started The Hollow so that you can give me as much shit shoveled onto me as you are presently enduring. Because I assure you, I am no less pretentious with anything that I have ever laid down with an interview, so... It's going to get worse before it gets better, I'm sure. Uh, So I'm going to, I'll move from, uh, oh, well, would we like to reference some of these things for the, uh, do you, you know, what do you listen to when you're creating stuff or shall I just start cherry picking? Shade. Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, Yeah, uh, at your your disposal here. Are we, we're kind of fast forwarding, right? Ish. Uh, Let me slide to the, we'll skip all the how do you write and all this other stuff. No one cares about that. Yeah. Mm. Let's slide forward to the... Yes. So what are you working on now? And what can we expect from you in the coming year? We are writing some new music and we'll start tracking our full-length album as soon as we have enough material to do so. (laughs) 
We are killing Dewan slowly. I love it. Um, <laughs> right now, we are busy writing new material. As a fairly young band, as far as time public to the local scene, we had a very limited catalog when we emerged. As of now, we have seven songs we are completely satisfied with, and we hope by the end of the year to have another five or six written. After, we will record and release a full-length album, shop it, play it, tour it. This is the exciting part for me, the process leading up to the big show. I have a lot lyrically I want to say, and this project is the perfect means to get that across. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and add a little uh, uh, afterward to that. I did not say much. (laughs) 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 Uh, Kind of uh, fumbled the ball there. Say All right, now this one I ha- I have to include uh, just because this pains me. And Dewan, please feel free to tear this to tatters. <laughs> what is your favorite venue to perform at in the Valley? And is there a place that feels like home? Oh shit, Dewan is going to fucking kill me. Here. Also, after yep. that, we got to have a sidebar. All right. Oh, oh no. no. Let's go. Am I in trouble with daddy? We'll see. With dad? With pop-pop? No, it's gonna be it's gonna be old man time with Dewan. <laughs> Get him, Dad. <laughs> all right, Michael, Jason. They're all so great in their own way. The one that I love to perform at is the Marquee Theater. <laughs> we have not yet. <laughs> Hashtag humble brag. <sighs> the fuck out of here! <laughs> I like playing at the biggest <laughs> venue in Tempe. <laughs> we only had one show, but yeah, I love this place. Fuck out of here. <laughs> we have not yet played that stage with this group, but within the next few shows, that place is a must. Jesus Christ. Jason, Danny, I love you guys to death, but uh, let's go ahead and address the elephant in the room. We didn't end up getting on the marquee stage with Hellfire. Oh, really? but I will. S- <laughs> but I, I will say, I'll give context. Uh, their band Detox, they did have their, their CD, like full length album release at the Marquee Theater. It was a fucking awesome night. Opening up for um, Taproot. No, they were the headliner. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, and Taproot came later. Actually, they opened up for Lacuna Coil. Thank you very much. Ooh, I remember all when right. I was, when I was trying to be cool, I used to fuck with Lacuna Coil and like Nightwish and all that weird shit. How about yeah, Shadows man. Fall? Oh, dude. I saw Shadows Fall, and oh my god, they were rad. I can't listen to this shit now because it's awful. But Shadows Fall was yeah. cool. It was them, yeah, the not Haunted. Kill Switch. Kill, eh, I have a problem with that dude. Okay, so before before you lose all respect for me with my response on this interview, I also saw Shadows Fall and get this, Lacuna Coil on the same bill at fucking Celebrity Theater. Oof. Well, I saw Lacuna Coil opening for Seven Dust. The headliner. That's even worse than all of us. (laughs) Nope, nope. I got it. I got it. And I don't know why we're making this a pissing contest, but the headliner for the Lacuna Shadows Fall show at Celebrity Theater, Stone Sour. Yuck! You win. (laughs) I didn't want to. I saw I saw Laguna Coil with uh with Danzig, and (laughs) it was the it was the first Blackest of the Black tour at the uh, Mesa Amphitheater. That kind of sounds fun, though. It was fine. It was a lot of smelly, like, just fat metalheads, and I wasn't really a big fan. I had my, like, an- pink anniversary shirt, and I was, like, Mike, mad indie Michael, rock at the time. <laughs> He's like, what's that mean? 
It could be worse. And I'm Michael. You might have, uh, you know, been watching at the uh, Marquee Theater. You might have gone to see Crossfade, Dark New Day, and Seether as the I headliner. was at that show. So was I. So. You know what's funny about that? I Okay, so... Don't tell me you're that. at that fucking show, too. No, hell no. But it's even worse. <laughs> I used to... <laughs> I used to work at Hot Topic back in the day. Oh, so yeah. you're an edgelord, huh? Flex. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the managers there used to, uh, he he op- he was in some shitty band, and they played with Crossfade, but it was at, like, the fucking Big Fish Pub or some shit. That's an oh, old God. school venue for you uh, youngsters. Yes, it, I played Big Fish. <laughs> I played Big Fish. So that is actually the first, that's the open mic I met one my former bandmates at, uh, oddly enough. Lauren from the latter and I met at Big Fish Pub. Man, that, that place is a trip. Dude, yeah. it, it's like the size of a kitchen. <laughs> yeah, I. so I know that we talked about Seven Dust and then we can, we can get back on the interview. But one of the most like... Uh, the reason that Big Fish Pub was infamous to me is because of a story about Seven Dust when they were touring the, uh, was it the, is the album called Black, Shane? No, Racist. that was, a, that's their self-titled. <laughs> um, but when they were touring for the self-titled album, they played uh, Big Fish Pub, and the lore goes that they were playing so, the PA was up so loud, they were so, you know, engaged, like, so aggressive, and the it was sold out that they were basically shaking the roof tiles off you know like the you know particles of the roof coming down mm-hmm. so that was just because the big fish was a piece of shit. yeah that's, was... that's because that's because the roof was eight feet tall yeah they needed to pay yes. their they needed to pay their bill and they couldn't so that place was trash anyway uh... so uh so back on two favorite venues that 2012 john uh really enjoyed brace for it Dewan, i love you and i'm sorry as far as where we have so far played in this project, the, the, f- the folks at Rocky Point Cantina have made us feel what very. <laughs> now, now after I after I finish this poll quote, we will talk about very briefly Rocky Point. The folks at Rocky Point Cantina have made us feel very comfortable there. The atmosphere <laughs> is great, and the turnouts there have, are usually amazing. As far as my personal favorite. I fear I'm homesick for a place that doesn't exist anymore. Of course, I'm referring to the clubhouse. Mm. Even Ooh. though, even though that place often smelled like urine in the lost <laughs> dreams of a hobo. There's John. I played and witnessed some of my favorite shows there over the years. I was sad to see that place go. Finally, you rear your ugly head there, Mr. Watkins. Um. So. The random story I have about Rocky Point Cantina. One, that place could have been something good. My best friend fucked a dead guy in the bathroom. (laughs) No, so so Rocky Point Cantina, for those that don't know, it was off of 8th Street. And it's, fuck, it's where Four Peaks uh, OG Brewery is. It's on 8th Street, a little bit down the ways where it was. Um... And they started booking more metal shows there. It started to become more of a hard rock alternative metal venue for a while. And then in the heyday of Bar Rescue with John Tafford being a thing. (laughs) I remember that bullshit. They called Bar Rescue down to Rocky Point Cantina. They destroyed it. (laughs) Yeah. So John Tafford and his crew came in. uh, Buddies, um, well, a band called Killing Spree was featured on the episode uh, of Bar Rescue playing in Rocky Point Cantina filled with people in the background just 
massacring the band. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the show does its usual thing. But what they didn't show you, and they, I don't think they've even acknowledged on the show since, is that John Tafford and his crew never went back through and got the proper permitting through the city of Tempe. So they did renovate Rocky Point Cantina, change its name, do what Bar Rescue does. But since they didn't get the permitting, that bar, whatever the new name was, had to go appeal to the city of Tempe, failed, and subsequently was shut down. Mm. So John Taffert single-handedly brute-fucked Rocky Point Cantina to death. But, and then went to like three other places in Tempe and fucked those places too. Yeah. So up until that point, I was actually a Bar Rescue fan because I was into like some trashy like TNT, you know, semi-reality shows. But after that, I was like, what in the... F-? That was my first experience with like, oh yeah, reality TV is just fabricated bullshit nonsense. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. Well, excuse yeah, me. Don't say. You you've heard 2012 mm-hmm. John's interview responses that shouldn't surprise you too much. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's okay. We can't all watch. Play He's a hot world. take. So is there a is there you, is there a good stopping point on this interview? Are we yes. really there? I'm. I want to hear. Oh, okay. I want to hear everybody's good stories about the clubhouse. Jeez. Does anybody have good clubhouse stories? You see, that's that. We got to We got hey PMA baby. We got to end on some. We got to talk about some positivity. We will definitely get there. I have uh, there. Uh, the last thing I want to do here that I think is a nice way to leave uh, is the last two, which were my common questions for everything. So, Desert Island top five albums or artists, oh, please. Twenty twelve, John. Ooh, fuck. We can uh, even leave Jason out of this. Yeah, leave I, Jason I out of this. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Oh, you know what? I might escape this a little bit unscathed. Slightly. Uh-huh. And I'm proud of 2012, John, for saying at this current moment, because You're even back clever then, lad. at that current moment, I knew that things aren't finite. You know, mm. like it's going to change. So, 2012, John. Hellfire Club, John. Ray LaMontagne and the Prairie Dogs. Oof. Um Oh, shut up. That was a great album. You know it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and this, uh, the Glitch Mobs, Drink the Sea. <laughs> Got him. Yep. Uh, City and Colors, Bring Me Your Love, which has stayed yeah. in the list. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. you, when you're not on air, you like I fucks with it. Yeah. I fucks with it. I fucks with um, it. Periphery 2. Uh, periphery 2. <laughs> this time it's personal. <laughs> right. Um, and Every Time I Die, X Lives. That can't be on a top five anymore, right? Uh, the, Tell me you grew out of that. I still really love Every Time I Die, but I don't think they'd make a top five anymore. I've right. I've found doper shit that says the same thing a little less or a little more straightforward. Eighteen Visions. That's good. Man, you uh. and Finn McKinty are both on that same train, man. <laughs> and now, any artist living or dead to collaborate with, and this could be recording, tour, or simply write with. You are just hell-bent on getting Dewan to shut the Zoom meeting and leave this podcast, aren't you? <laughs> We're angling for, oh. for entertainment. Oof. All right. Is this the final word from 2012? It is. The, yes. This will be the last we get out of 2012, John. 2012, JW. You know, and this will come as no surprise, Shane, Mm-mm. but I think Corey Taylor would be excellent to pick for all of the above. <laughs> I have... I have been a fan of Slipknot for a while, as well as Stone Sour. What would be excellent, though, would be to be direct support on one of his acoustic tours. Awful. Awful. Okay. 
you you mentioned the clubhouse and the clubhouse is a beautiful way to to kind of wrap wrap this anniversary uh guest spot uh with so the clubhouse i don't remember how many people that i saw there but it was one of the first venues or it was the second venue i ever played ever uh, in tempe and ever to begin with one of my best memories uh from the clubhouse is we played uh, last step down the first band I was ever in. We we played with a band called Hurt, and or yeah, that's why we were there. Yep, we opened for a band called Hurt on their uh, Goodbye to the Machine tour, and at that time Hurt was one of my top favorite bands. And after Hurt played and we were all loading out, the lead singer Jay Lauren, who I admired like just hand over fist, like he was sitting on the curb, and I was uh I smoked cigarettes back then as you were wont to do. And I was smoking a cigarette, and he asked me if he could have a cigarette. I didn't have cigarettes. I was my last one, so I got to go. Uh, I offered to buy one of my favorite vocalists a pack of Camels. And I bought him a pack of smokes, and we shared a, shared a cigarette together and just got to shoot the shit. And that was uh, one of my favorite memories from the clubhouse. Also, You seem like one of those type of cats that used to smoke clove cigarettes and not regular cigarettes. Were you one of those dudes? No, I wasn't a poser. Fuck that shit. All right. I just wanted to no. Um, also, it was the with that same band. It was one of the first times. It was the first venue that my mom got to see me play, ever. Ooh. And it was the shittiest show in the entire world. It was a bunch of metal <laughs> bands. We weren't really metal. Like we, my you were mom, party rock. No, no. This is a different band. This is this. This is like butt rock <laughs> that wasn't even good. Like or. It was actual ass rock, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember walking out to the parking lot to, like, show my mom and my brother, like, where to, like, give them their tickets to get them in. And it's a battle of the bands. And this ensemble of people wearing, like, it was, like, industrial garb, you know? So, like, uh, bondage pants and, like, heavy piercings everywhere. They're the lead singer of this band, and they called themselves Cripple Creep. Uh, was a disabled man in a wheelchair wearing a bunch of very uh, inappropriate garb and piercings everywhere. And that's the first thing my mom saw while she was walking into the venue to see me play. Anyway, Shane, do you have, you have a good memory? And then I think we'll leave Dewan as the final word on the clubhouse. Well, I think, you know, we'll... Uh... Oh... So I was a part of an interesting confluence of events with the clubhouse. I was in a band that played when Obadiah Parker was on the the major ascension, having done the Hey Ya cover that everybody got themselves worked into a rich foamy lather over. They were releasing a CD that would contain that song, and they released at the clubhouse. And so I was playing in a band with a guy named Joey at the time, and so we played the show as the closer for that show. So I got to hang out, watch Obadiah Parker do the full set to just scores of very excited, you know, young folks. And then they all scurried very quickly out the door whilst Joey and I sat up on stage and, and didn't do a damn thing. So it was... You mean uh, you're not going to play Hey Ya? <laughs> it was a, a very, you know interesting way for me to be quickly crestfallen at the end of it but it was a it was a you know fun venue i saw 30 seconds to mars there which was one of the better shows that i managed to catch and uh, we we hung around afterwards because my buddy scott of amp kicker fame who thankfully is the the reason we had that glorious little interview to go back to 
he wanted to stick around to see Jared, you know, as he exited. So he wanted to wait for like four to five hours to catch the bands they were walking out. I was like, I'm, I'm going to take off. So I went and hung out at like the, the little Seven Eleven that was in the corner there and actually caught him before Scott did. So nice. I mean, it's not very entertaining at all. I didn't watch anybody like, you know, disembowel a goat on the front step and, you know, then try to see their future in the entrails. Michael, am I correct in assuming that you don't know what the clubhouse is? I'm picturing it as a treehouse, so Jesus definitely Christ. not. Cool. Uh, Dewan, do you want to do you want to take out this glorious anniversary episode with uh, your best memory from the clubhouse? The best memory from the clubhouse is seeing Saul Williams. If you guys aren't familiar with Saul Williams, I'm not. He's kind of like a, a poet kind of guy. Uh, slam poetry. He did a lot of like the uh, deaf poetry jam. He did. He does a lot of like. I guess you can call him a rapper, but he's more of like a, a also an activist, also an artist, also a uh he just does it all. Like he's he's a pretty rad dude. But the funny thing was he and he's super pro black. And he had a song called List of Demands, probably right around the time like right before uh it it is shut down. And I I get to the show I didn't really care about who was open enough for them because they just weren't good. I don't even remember them. But what I do remember is it was a sold-out show, and there was at least, mind you, it's probably, I don't know, it, it held a decent amount of people, right? It's about to go off. I think there was probably about, outside of me, there had to have been about like four or five other black people, and that was it. So you had like all these just like hipster white people listening to this pro-black like artist, poet, just sing like just pro-black songs. And I was just like, this is weird. And I was a little too young to kind of understand like the the idea of that and like what it means and who can listen to what and like are they getting a message and all that. And I was just like, damn, there's no black people here. And next thing you know, there's like four, all the black people was kind of like in one area. And we started looking out. We were like, huh. We started asking each other. It was like, did you expect this? He was like, no, man, I thought it'd be more uh, brothers here. I thought it'd be more sisters here. Nope. And he actually even said, he was like, hey, man, appreciate the white folks again. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was, I'm telling you, man, I was very surprised that there was no black people there. Like, I nowadays, you know, I think cats would have came and showed up. But we're yeah, talking what year 2004, was that? Yeah. 2005. And, and also, it was like a weird part of Tempe. It was like right before you hit ASU. It was, wasn't really fucking around with that area. Well, you know also, what I mean? Tempe, so, Tempe even, like, Tempe is very different 16 years later. Oh, 100%. Um, oh, definitely. So Dorsey, yeah. Dorsey and, also, and Broadway is a very different area than it was then. He would, like, like now if he would have came and it was the same, like, idea and concept, he would have played at, like, Valley Bar. He would have played at uh, yeah, somewhere downtown. And it would have made more sense. Yeah. Like, it wasn't him that was, like, awkward and weird. It was the fact that it was in, like, this area where there's not a lot of brothers and sisters at. And just, like, damn. I bet he had way more fun at other places. <laughs> It right. was a good show, but I was just like, "Holy smokes!" Man. Well, what, and I've had a lot on. of experiences like that. It was, it was, it, 
I got to see this uh, Dolomite before he died and Blowfly. And if, if any of your people know who that is, but me, my brother, and my buddy Ray were probably like the only black folks there. Ray? And that was that. I know Ray. Oh, 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 brother Ray. Oh, drunk ass Ray. Man, I miss that guy. <laughs> you tell him I'm thinking about He's him. Like, I will not. Fine. <laughs> I mean, that's racist. I'll let, him, I'll let him know you say you love him. All right. But we saw them, and I was just like, holy shit. We're the only black people here. There was one couple, and they was dancing and having fun. But for the most part, it was a lot of young hipsters, young white hipsters. I was just like, huh, the game done changed. I didn't, that's, and actually, I don't hate it. It was weird to me because I wasn't, I was like in my 20s. I I wasn't expecting, I didn't understand what was going on, but it was still pretty cool, man. So, it's just like working at a bottle shop. You fucking A. <laughs> or Dwan. attending a Mega Ran concert here. Dwan, I really appreciate it. I know, right? Oh, you already know. <laughs> oh, <fuck. laughs> Dwan, I, I really, really, really appreciate the fact that you, uh, you're you the first guest that we have. I have one question for you uh, before I think we we wrap up. And Town Van Zandt and- is the greatest singer-songwriter of all time. And I will stand on anybody's table with muddy boots and say that. It is a good idea and you will stand by. Um, <laughs> he admitted! <laughs> um, do you have 15 minutes to do a hypothetical on YouTube with us? Oh, 100%. Okay, sweet. So you heard it here first, kids. On Friday on YouTube, Disinformed After Dark, you can hear Dewan Johnson's hot takes on whatever hypothetical Shane has in store. Get ready, because I will not know what I'm looking at. Brace for impact, ladies and gentlemen, folks. <laughs> Perfect. And now it's time for the editor to transition to the reading, because we didn't really record a good transition. Whoopsie doozies. Man, it's... it's... Please. <laughs> no. I I'm was not gonna... stopping you. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, I know that we we just talked about, we celebrated our one year and it was amazing. Uh, but it feels like a, a whole. It feels like we didn't were you, traveled didn't you back. Just in time. say that we were not doing a ham-fisted segue. That we're just gonna go into this like there's no preamble. You silly I fuck! Bet, I bet he spent all of his extra time writing this down. Just God just damn so it! He can lead it. Okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> you just see him crumpling up some paper and throwing it away. I can oh, only. This. Okay, and <laughs> I can only do this one more time. So, let me uh, let me get gather yourself here. Get, mm, yes, yes. yes, it's important. <gasps> hey, Michael. <laughs> uh, I am. I'm really glad we are going to be bringing the hammer down on the back of the skull of this story because it has needed to die since chapter one. Michael, yes, Professor Travoli, sinister. <laughs> are you a voice actor? No, I said seductively, <laughs> or sexily. Well, my name is Cornelio Fuck, and I, <laughs> and I am here to say that I am happier than I have ever been in the past year, nay, six years, to inform you that this is the last time that we are tacking on to my immortal. We are finishing this, and what this is is Michael painstakingly 
to us, uh, has taken the world's worst fan fiction and word for word in, I can't, my brain is dead. He took this whole, he took this whole thing and just transposed it into a script that's 140 pages long. And we've been creating the world's most ungodly, unasked for audiobook from it. And we are at the finish line. We are going to wrap up season two with the conclusion of My Immortal. I am not a voice actor. Michael is not a voice actor. Shane actually is. Yeah, I flirt with it from time to time. Yeah. He never... He, yeah, yeah, yeah. He flirts with it. Um, I just... I'm losing all of my steam because all I'm right, so well, excited to be done. Please so, help me. Uh, you <laughs> clarify most of the time that we will read all of this stuff phonetically. So there are patent misspellings. There are things that are going to sound a bit out of sync and uh, things that are going to be a bit bizarre. So just be prepared for that because that is how the script is actually written and it is ghastly. So we're going to muscle through it to the best of our ability. And uh, here's hoping that we manage to make this at least semi-palatable since this is now the final installment. The very last time that you are going to be exposed to my immortal. And... I will say, I would like to add it now, and I don't want Michael to get a big head over this or anything. Too late. But even though I will never emotionally recover from how horrific my immortal is, I will thank you for going through all of the effort that you've done into bringing this to light. I know this has been a passion project, a little love letter for you, and as Shane mentioned a couple episodes ago, uh, we ref- it was referred to as early as episode two. Um, so it has accidentally become the baby of this podcast, and I cannot wait to drown it in the tub. Ooh, we went back to the Dahmer <laughs> from last episode, apparently. Well, shit. <laughs> but thank you. It was. It's good. It's good. Yes, please. Yeah, put that on the tombstone. Yeah. You don't want to do any sort of like denouement here, Michael, as to you know. You, you, this is a the journey of a thousand cuts that has started with a single slash or slash fiction, if you will. <laughs> nice reference to fan culture. I, I have my moments. Culture, yeah, um, I it's just something that I I've always been fascinated, which is like poorly written, poorly executed, just just bad media of all forms, whether it's movies, books, fan fiction, what have you. And this, like, when it's given the title of worst fan fiction on the internet, and and I challenge people that have still not listened to episode 25 or done it in some other point in their lives, Google search world's worst fan fiction, and this will pop up. Like, I really enjoy this fan fiction because it is such a... It's so trash. It's just utter garbage. But there is a hidden... I, I, I shudder. I, I hesitate to say intellectualism. But there's there's more than just some 12-year-old fantasizing about which Harry Potter character they would like to Michael be in a really relationship Michael is excited with. by this because there are references he actually understands over the course of this story. So which if he yeah. relates been, uh, to it. Yeah, if you've been following the plot, there's not a lot of references that he understands. I like the bombadils, and that's that's all I can do. But so, go ahead. Yes, no. But essentially, what I was going to say is, it's it's a masterpiece in its own right, and it's something I've loved for the past ten years I've had in 
masterpiece of garbage is still it's masterpiece. A catastrophe, I think, is what we're going. I'll give for you here. that. It might be a dumpster, but it's your dumpster. Yes. Yeah. It's 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 the dumpsterest of. It's the fight. It's your drunk uncle at the wedding. Yes, it's Uncle Touchy of Uncle Touchies. Um, <laughs> but essentially, like it's it's something that I've loved for the past ten years, and I, I'm really glad that we're finally able to present it to everyone well it's grown up to the age that you don't really like them when you love them soon i'll have to leave them <laughs> well yeah as soon as they call you dad you gotta bounce mm-hmm. i will pose do you guys want to wait until after the curtains have dropped on this to decide whether or not we think it is satire yes. officially like our mm-hmm. official review okay. do we yes. need a breath or do we gonna do this at the end of this this segment we can, we can do it, it I will let you guys make that decision then. All right. Okay. Well. I believe that brings us to get this final bit of fuckery out of the way. And so, with no further ado or delay, I bring you previously on My Immortal. For the final father fucking time. What in the blood sucking fuck? Uh, Chapter 40 shares with us the chapter... As purportedly primed for distribution by Terra, uh, according to the troll author. Compared to Ebony and Hell, this is admittedly a bit of a letdown, Michael. I'm, I'm a, little, a little vexed. Ooh. Ebony awakens in the Norse's office to discover she has survived the shooting-slash-stabbing that occurred on stage at the Merrily Mason concert. Hairgrids is also there, having been beaten to a bloody fucking pulp by Draco and Vampire due to his attempted drugging of Ebony. Voldemort arrives and chastises her for having not killed Vampire yet for the 87th fatherfucking time, as John would say. Thank you. Uh, and then breaks into tears like any well shit, like any <laughs> well-adjusted gothic gentleman who can mentally transcend space and time. Ebony asks him what is wrong, out of concern, and then they both hear uh, others approaching, and Veloximort disappears. Wasn't that convenient? Yes. Just like a date for... Yeah, fuck it. Uh, (laughs) Cut that. (laughs) Vampire, Professor Sinister, apparently back from her stint in Azkaban for no good reason. Uh, Lucian, Sirius, Vampire, and Be Bloody Mary all appear uh, to welcome Ebony back to consciousness. Ebony asks what happened, and Sirius explains that she could not be dispatched by a ballet, seeing as she is from an order time. Well, my favorite part of the Matrix is when they do the ballot time. Indeed. (laughs) Hanging chads all throughout that movie. Uh, the time travel apparently <laughs> negates any number of effects in reality from amnesia potion to bullets. So apparently if you time travel, we are impervious to bullets and it's a miracle. Yeah. Uh, the group devolve into a discussion about how shocking it is that James Potter shot Lucian. And here the text goes off the motherfucking rails saying that Snap was apparently possessed by Snap back then. <laughs> You, Which you caught is that, fun. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, of course, was a secret death dealer. Because he stood on the street and offered it to people at random. Those death sticks. Uh, yeah, I don't want to sell you death sticks. <laughs> hey. You want to sell me death sticks. Well, yes. I appreciate it. Wearing the Star Wars shirt. Love it. 
It's I I still was upset that neither of you commented on my 2020 you know post of like you were the chosen one. I oh. hate you. Uh, anywho. Yeah. <laughs> so this nonsense aside, Ebony is gifted presents to commemorate her perfection while she realizes that Draco is missing. She inquires as to where he is, and they're in, they're informed he's watching wax hose. Or hose of wax, or any number of other nonsense. Uh, Professor Sinister tells Ebony she has been discharged, and thus is free to go search for Draco. Uh, we discover Tara has no idea what a thong is, and uh, claims her <laughs> gothic girl print on the butt is possible, which... <laughs> I mean, it could be very, very small font. You just shouldn't be reading it. If my brains were not scrambled eggs, I imagine I could try to make that function, but I just, it, it's not going to. Uh, uh, the crew of Hermione, Harry, and Ebony then discover Draco engaged in a sex act with Snape. Yep. I hate to break it to you, kids. We're never going to find out why the hell this happened. So, mm. They then accost Draco, claiming he is a traitor, and he claims they simply don't understand while pulling his tongue out of snaps. Out of his what we don't know. It just, it, it's actually, they said, uh, the exact line is, screamed Draco sadly as he took his tongue out of snakes. So either <laughs> there's a nest of vipers that he is attempting to, you know, perform cunnilingus on, or... Mm. I think he somehow uh, merged his tongue into snaps. Um, yeah. And so he was literally removing the fusion, removing the tongue being fused to the other tongue. So it's Harry Potter Hellraiser. Okay. Yes. Mm. John, you were saying. Oh, I'm just so glad that we're done. You and me <laughs> both. Uh, Ebony runs suicidally again. <laughs> when you're uh, a goth, you're a goth all the way. Ba-da-ba! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so then returns to her room where she cuts her wrists with a stake, like you do, reminding us of her absolute genius in the process. All goes Metallica again, and bringing us to chapter 41, where Ebony awakens in yet another strange room, having staked herself, uh, and discovers she's wearing the outfit she had on stage at the Merrily concert. This is affirmed by an exceedingly fortuitous poster of Marilyn Manson being on the wall, hanging next to the Gothic Beatles calendar, <laughs> featuring the Fab Four in eyeliner and black cloves, relaying that the current date is 1980. Yet again, let's just take a pause for the cause here as we attempt... Uh, death apparently causes one to Tim travel. This is just anytime she dies, she just flashes forward and back in time. You have to Only be careful a, when Tim traveling. It's the, the one traveling in Tim. Uh, I don't know why she's a fucking abacus now, but apparently she's just bouncing back and forth between set points. Well, she's a vampire. Oh, that's. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, also, seeing as the Beatles broke up in 19-fucking-70, I'm having difficulty trying to believe... That we are not in an alternate timeline entirely, if we're going into an alternate reality here. Uh, because Green Day apparently formed, you know, decades early, and uh, Marilyn Manson's flashback, the Beatles are still together, and they're, you know, the the earliest iteration of MCR. I don't know what's happening. You just want to <laughs> yell Jared Way again? <laughs> Jared Way, what's up? 
fucking infant. He he was a toddler. I'm just I was pointed out that he was probably nine, which is apparently to my girlfriend not a toddler. So I stand corrected. He was okay. a preteen. Who okay. gives a flying fuck? Who gives a flying Gerard? Uh, <laughs> So Satan, who in an author's note specifically clarified as being Voldemort, which is for really, photo reference, yes, for photo reference, uh, arrives to check on her. She indicates that she's fine, as uh, Satan's cigarette then subsequently gives him a money shot just, <laughs> yeah. as it smokes all over his face. Uh, and Satan further clarifies that she wasn't killed due to her being the undead, which is the logical thing to assume. And she then subsequently claims, no, 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 it's just because I, I Tim traveled. Uh, that's, that's really why it happened. We then relitigate the James Potter shooting Lucius for simply messing up a song for the 14th fucking time because the two of them need to discuss it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, Satan ascribes to Samaro having suffering, a, uh, he was suffering a headache. Cause everyone suffering a headache here becomes homicidal or suicidal or genocidal. I don't know. As you uh, do. And he's coping with a lot of stress. <laughs> uh, we are then introduced to yet another in a cavalcade of sexy bye guys. Uh, sexy bye guy will be opening for Demon Semen on the European tour this year, by the way, in case you weren't aware. Yep. Uh, Hedwig, who we learn is Voldemort's ex-lover. Uh, Ebony is elated to have stumbled onto a way for Satan to know love without necessitating her sucking the corruption out of his body. And so she proceeds to instruct the two to vigorously make out with one another back in the Hall of Greats. Uh, this is naturally, of course, observed by the other members of X Black Terax, and they all greedily look on as Satan cool. and Hedwig begin to meet Mount. Uh, the band is still experiencing some tension, however, owing to one of their members trying to kill the other on stage, which I can understand. You know, a little static. Shit happens. Yeah, yeah, no. What are you going to do? And we're told... <laughs> I was going to say, all is fair in Salmon War. Oh, uh, she is in charge of violence. Uh, so, of course, it's then ascribed to Snape possessing James to make him shoot Lucius with a knife. Uh, Ebony discovers that she has a video iPod in her pocket for no good goddamn reason, and she elects to film the two boys' physical entanglement. At this point, I'm fairly convinced that Tara just is trying to convince everyone that Voyeur is the new black. Yeah. And it's just why everyone's filming everything, particularly sex acts, have to be caught on film, girls on film. It is the 80s, so maybe that's the Duran Duran shout out. Girls, girls, girls. Girls on film. Uh, The two girls, as the two teens begin to space dock, because they touched Glocks. Uh, they're interrupted by Dumbledore and Mr. Norris as they arrive on the scene, which leads us to our current and final installment. Thank God. Or sorry, Satan. Indeed. Hail Stan. Hail Stan. This is the final bloody chapter of My Immortal as performed by the Disinformed Podcast Cast. Chapter 42. Da Blake Parade. I sat depressedly in Dumbledore's office with Hedwig, Satan, James, Sirius, Snap, 
and Lucian. Dumbledore was sitting in front of us, cruelly. He looked more young than he did in the future. Thank you for cleverly concealed <laughs> understatement. Uh, he had taken the iPod away and was now lizanying to a shitty Avril Levine song. What the hell is this anyway? He cackled meanly. I hoped he didn't find out the I was from another time. Whatever, you don't blame Abani, you jerk. Satan said. Yeah, seriously. She was trying to get Satan and Hedwig back together. Sirius said deviantly. Be quiet, you Satanist. Dumbledore cockled. If you're lucky, I'll probably send you all to Azkaban. That will teach you to copulate in the Great Hall. He changed the song on the iPod to an in-sync song. Suddenly, I noticed something strong about the iPod. It was slowly chonging. Doombledore didn't notice. You fucking poser. I muttoned. I bet you've never heard of J.C. James said. No, I knew what the iPod was chonging into. Morty McFly's Tim Machine, one one. Shut up, Joms! Draco's dad shouted. Yeah, shut up. Snake said, preppy. Now ye shut up, Dumbledore. One, 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 said Tom. I've had enough of you Satanists in my school, shouted Dumbledore spuriously. Suddenly, I grabbed the iPod from him. Everyone, jump in before is two, look, eight. I jumped into it. But only one other person jumped in. It was Satan. You dunderheads! One, 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 one. Screamed Dumbledore wisely as we went. I looked around. I was in the Slytherin conmen room with Satan. I was wearing a Blake plaid miniskirt with hot pink fishnets, a sexy Blake MCR corset, and Blake stiletto boots with pink pentagrams on them. My earrings were Blake Satanist sins and my raven hair was all around me to my mid-black. Hey, cool, where is this? He asked in an emo voice. This is the future. Dumbbell Door's iPod duh, he tried to take away from me was really also a tin machine. I told him. Cool, what's an eye patch? He whimpered. It's something you use to listen to music. I yacked. OMFG, cool. Wait, what's a four-letter word for dirt? He asked 
in his sexa voice. Um, I guess sand? I laid confusedly. Yeah, I was just trying to make sure you were still the same Perzan. He triumphantly giggled. Suddenly, some of my friends walked in. OMG, you're fucking alive, said Ginny, wearing a Blake leather jacket, Blake baggy pants, and a gothic black froom first to last shirt. I explained to her why I was alive. Konnichiwa, bitch, said Willow. She was wearing a Blake corset showing off her boobs, with lace all around it and red stripes on it. With it, she was wearing a Blake leather miniskirt, big Blake boots, white foundation, Blake eyeliner, red eyeshadow, and Blake lipstick. Hey, motherfucker, said Diabolo with his reed hair. He was wearing a black P question mark A T D T shit and Blake baggy pants. Hey, who's that, Ibony? Bloody Mary questioned as she walked in, wearing a black t-shirt with a red pentaram on it with lace at the bottom, red lafar pants, and a Blake lace and black stoletitos. Oh, it's Satan, I told her, and she nodded, knowing the truth. Suddenly, Satan started to cry. Are you you okay, okay, Satan? We asked concernedly. OMFG, you're from the future, one. What if you don't like M anymore because we're from different times? He asked. No, I still like you. I said sexily to him. Okay. He said reassuredly. I let him lizen to Teenagers by MCR on my iPod while I was about to go outside to find out some things. I gave Diabolo a signal to keep Satan occupied. Satan fell asleep. I took the iPod. I was about to walk outside. Professor Sinister ran in, 1111. She was wearing a gothic Blake mini-dress with depressing Blake stripes white and Blake stripped tights, and red Converse shoes. She was wearing lots of Blake Illiner. Oh my fucking god, where's Draco? One, one, one. How did Snap get back here? I thought he was in Azerbaijan. I asked sadly. Ebony, I was so worried about you, but I know you can't fucking die because you are a vampire. Snape came back because that girl Brittany freed him. I never liked her. She was a bad student. Travolery said reassuredly. That bitch, one one. Did she also free Hargrid and Lupin? I shouted angrily. I hated Brittany because she was a fucking prep. Yes, they're on the loose at the school. Dumbledore is back. Cornelia is on his way to help everyone. Tell everyone you see to lock themselves in their conman room, Travolry said worriedly. Okay, but where's Draco? How come he was doing it with Snap? 
I don't know why, but I know he almost tried to commit suicide after he saw you almost kill yourself. Carl said. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, hold on. (laughs) That was a good time. Thank you. (sighs) Do you want to keep it? (laughs) Oh, I'll throw she said in there. She said. OMG, that's terrible. I gasped. Satan was still asleep, so he couldn't tell what was going on. Then I said, Listen, everyone, I have something impotent to do. In er, everyone stay. With that, I ran out. Good luck, Tara! One, 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 one. Everyone cried. I ran sexily down the stories into the Great Hall while the portraits around looked at me scaredly. There was hardly anyone else in the stars, and there was an atmosphere of horror. On the way, I was Brittany laughing on the stars. She was wearing a, a slutty pink shirt with flowers on it, a blue jean skirt, Abercrombie and pink Style twos. She looked just like a pentagram of those fucking props. Hillary Duff and Lindsay Lohan. You fucking bitch. One, one, one. I shouted angrily. Now, you're totally a bitch. Now, Voldemort will likely kill you. Totally, like yeah, totally yeah. kill you. Like, do you even know how to valley girl? Channel <laughs> <laughs> Liz, you can do it. <laughs> no, you're totally a bitch. Now Voldemort will like totally kill you. She laughed. Crucius one. I shouted selectively, pontificating my Blake want, and she started screaming because she was being tortured, and I laughed sadistically. Now, one, help me, one, please, one. Brittany screamed, terrified. I put up my middle finger at her. In her hand, I saw the video camera Snape and Lumpen had used to take the video of me. I put the tape of Voldemort doing it with Hedwig onto it. Then I continued to round down the stairs with the camera. When I had reached the Great Hall, I saw Vampire Potter. OMG, Vampira! One, one, one. I yielded. We hugged each other happily. He locked at me with his gothic red eyes and <laughs> Blake hair. <laughs> nope. It's how, it's how it's fucking spelt, man. We're just gonna say spiky. <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> Hey, what's up? (laughs) Clip that. (laughs) I will, but I won't send it to anyone. Oh! I want that What's up, you? Hey! What's up, you stoops? I told you not to come around here anymore. I'll find you, break your fucking kneecaps. You're done! (laughs) I'm done. I need another soundboard. Your safe word is... <laughs> You're done! 
Okay, I'm done. I'm done. Oh my stars! Oh, I knew that Harry Potter was a. Y'all done? <laughs> the moment I laid eyes on him. All right, all right, all right. I don't trust none of them Italians. <laughs> all right, you wasp bastard. Let's do this. <laughs> all right. Case of the vapors. We hugged each other happily. He locked at me with his gothic red eyes and spiky Blake hair. Around them were Blake Eyeliner and Eyeshadow. I have to say this because it's lost on those who are not seeing this, but the Eyeshadow is put like an iPod, so a small I, capital S, for Eyeshadow. <laughs> so this must be very technologically, uh, you know, advanced Eyeshadow. But uh, his hey, his he was... <laughs> God almighty, there's no way we're making it through this shit. It's the last one and we're all just going to have a stroke. Oh, Jesus. Okay. His he was wearing a Blake leather Jackson, leader pants, a panique at da disco shirt, and his Blake Congress shoes. He looked more like Joel from Good Charlotte than ever. Parenthetical. Did you hear der song, Da River? It rocks! One. I was so worried you died, moaned Vampire. I know, but I'm a vampire, lol. When I woke up, I was back in 1980, so... Anyway, I bought Voldemort from when he was young with me. Where's Draco? I asked spuriously. Draco? You mean the fucking poser who betrothed you? Vampire snarkled with anger in his sexy voice. I know, but we have to find him! I said, smarty. <laughs> Goddamn dogs. <laughs> dogs didn't like that. Dogs are... <laughs> <laughs> oh! Who come into the house there? I'll do it then, Harry said angstily. Okay. I agreed. Suddenly, all the lights in the room went out, and then the dork mark appeared. Oh, my fucking Satan, Harry shouted. I think Voldemort had a ribbed, I said anxiously. Fuck. I have to find Draco, one. I guess we should separate. Okay, Vampire said, disparating. Sadly, I ran into the Great Hall. Holy monkeys, kids. Okay. So, uh, it's 45 chapters? No, 43 and 44, and they're oh, short. Thank fuck. <laughs> we, are, we are eight pages, wait, we are seven pages away. Don't be a bitch, John. <laughs> oh my god I just wish I don't wish but I wish in this moment that one of your co-workers was just outside of that door and you open the door and they've been standing there for an hour <laughs> just like listening in ab- abject horror I'm sorry horror I'm using some words in here I'm just trying to clean up just leave me alone stop you're making this too hard for me I have to edit that <laughs> it's the first time you've ever said that in your life Michael uh... All right. Chapter 43. 
I walked sexily into the great hall. It was empty except for one person. Draco was there. He sat der in Diddy. I don't understand what that's supposed to say either. He sat der in Deadly Bloom in his Blake 666 t-shirt and his baggy pants. He had slit his wrists. One, one, one. I felt mad at him for having sex with Snape, but I felt sorry for him. He looked just like Gerard Way with his red eyes and his pale white face. Draco, are you okay? I asked. I'm not okay. He screamed depressedly. I thought of the MCR song and I got even more depressed because that song always makes me cry. I gave him a pot cigarette and he started to smoke it. Oh, Draco, why did you do it with that fucking bastard Snape? (laughs) I asked, teardily. I, Draco began to say, but suddenly... Lupin and Mr. Norris appurated into the room. They didn't see us. Is that me? I think it's you. Yes, uh, it was originally John, and then we switched to you. It Was this the one I was supposed to be doing the Herbert voice for? I'm just doing Herbert for everybody. I feel you still do Herbert, and it's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Right. I, I realize that, but yeah, just do it. Okay, sure. here, it, here it goes. I'm so glad we, me, and Snape were freed, said Lupin. I forgot who the fuck I did Filch for. T- did, you do him straight, did you do him straight on, though, as the dude from the movie? I think no, so. No, no, that was Slugborn. That was Slugborn that you did. I think I tried on. to do all of them, so we'll just give okay, it. Okay, yeah, just do it. Yeah. Damn, this job would be great if it wasn't for the fucking students, Mr. Norris agreed. Pop Adelum, one, one, one. I yielded angrily, pointing my wand at them. No! What? Lupin shouted as chains came on him. Mr. Norris ran away. You fucking perv, I said, laughing with depths of evil and depressedness in my voice. Now... You have to tell us where Voldemort is, or I'm gong to torture you. I don't know where he is, one, 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 said Lupin. Suddenly, Satan and Vampire ran into Darum. Vampire didn't know who Satan was, really. Oh, my Satan, we were so worried about you guys, one. Vampire Siad. I looked sexily at Draco with his gothic red eyes with contacts, Blake t-shirt that said 666 on it, and pale skin like Gerard Way, Vampire with his sexy Blake hair and red eyes just like Frank Lero, and Satan, who looked just like Brendan Urie then. I selectively took the caramel from my pocket. And then I began Frenching Draco sexily. Lupin gasped. Draco began to take of his 
clothes off, and I could see his white sex pack. Then, Vampire took his own clots off, too. We all began making together sexily. I took off my Blake leather bra, my Blake lace thong, and the rest of my clothes. Everyone took their Glocks out, except for me. I am a girl. <laughs> I have Lol. totally been thinking that she meant like nine millimeters this entire yes. time and just <laughs> now realized that she meant cocks. Yep. And my entire understanding of the last couple chapters is completely different. <laughs> <sighs> Mind equals blown, just like a Glock. Big if true. <sighs> That's how Biggie and Pac died. Um, (laughs) All right. Everyone took their Glocks out, except for me, Emma Girl. Lol. Oh, me Satan. Draco. I screamed as he put his hardness in my thingy. Then he did the same thing to Harry. I began making out with Satan, and he joined in. Ellen is one 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 cried Vampire. Oh Vampire Vampire I screamed, screamed Oh Satan Oh all of you I'm so turned on right now. Dear God I'm about to fat myself to pieces Come on now, Jervis. Sorry. I just, <laughs> just love that Lupin's just standing there like, okay, fine. Orgy, why not? <clears throat> Yelled Harry in Pleasor. Lupin watched in shock. We took turns doing torture curses on him because we were all sadists. Suddenly... A big Blake car that said 666 on the license plot E flew straight through the windows and snap was in it. One, one. I think, I mean, enter the snap queen. It's important. Never thought we'd see this bitch again. No, indeed. But uh, we need him. Ugh. Lupin needs a, a tag team partner. <laughs> didn't know you guys liked the fuck. Said you didn't like it. Uh, I like that we're ending with an orgy. Yeah. Because why I mean, not? I it, mean, it's been a reoccurring theme pretty much every other chapter. So now they know. should have all cut their wrists and started, you know, sucking on one another's you know, open wounds whilst doing it. I that mean, there just... is still time. I mean, we need to bring it to a pinnacle here. This is the last chapter? Is there an epilogue? Nope. This is chapter 44 is the last chapter. Gentlemen, we have reached a pinnacle. This is the promised land. I understand Moses now. I I understand those um, musicians on the Titanic. I understand Cunt. As... <laughs> and there's a section gone. <laughs> Sorry, you're welcome, Michael. You understand the uh, the musicians where? On the Titanic. Cunt. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, that actually makes sense. I can just splice whatever Shane is saying with just John saying cunt. I like that, actually. Yeah, it makes it's all a, the sense in the world. It's a you subversion can, of what you we can did try, previously. You can try it out, and if it's very clear what he's 
that is censoring a, a slur, then we're not doing it. But I will hear it out because I do think it will sound very fun. His cunty black hair, yes. <clears throat> I have to say, before we get into this, though, um, Melissa's favorite delivery of the entirety of this thing was Michael's last week when, after her line, uh, she, he says, Fuku. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like our cat's noise. Uh, Lena is has a very high-pitched sort of like, meep. So, <laughs> so Fuku. Fuku. He's going to, to live on forever. But All Good. right. I'm glad. The very we last chapter. Here. The next episode. Chapter 44. Gatly Carr! Shooted Draco angrily. But suddenly it was revealed who was in Dakar. It was Snape! As we established the last fucking chapter. I shall free you, Lupin, but first you must help me kill these idiotic donderheads, he said cruelly from the car as it flew circumcising above us. Ebony, the Arkness, Dementia, Waven Ray must be killed. Then the Dork Lord shall never die. You fucking prep, yelled Draco. Then he loped at me, sadly. I forgot to tell you, Ebony. Snape made me do it with him. I didn't really have sex with him, but he's a ropiest. We all put our clothes on quickly, except Satan. We were so scarred, one. But Satan didn't change. Instead, he changed into a man with gren eyes, no no s, a gray robe, and white skin. He had changed into Voldemort. One, one, one. I knew who thou were all along. He cackled evilly and sarcastically at me. Now I shall kill thee all. Thundercam in the room. Now please don't kill us. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> he got too excited there. <laughs> I thought he was going to monologue. <laughs> I was just waiting for, like, Thundercam. Oh! <laughs> All right, from Thunder? <laughs> Thundercam in the room. No, please don't kill us, pleaded Vampire. Suddenly, Willow, Be Bloody Mary, Diabolo, Ginny, Dracula, Fred and Gorge, Hergrid... McGonagall, Dumbledore, Sirius, and Lucian all ran in. What is the meaning of this? Dumbledore asked all angrily, and Voldemort looked away. Parenthetical. Because Dumbledore is the only Huizard he is scared of. He did a spell, and suddenly his broomstick came to him sexily. Volksamort flew above the roof, evilly, on his broomstick. Oh my god! Slugborn gossped. Parenthetical, get it, cause I'm gothak. The Dark Lord shall kill all of you. Then you must submit to him. Snape ejaculated menacingly. You fucking preppy cunts. <laughs> <laughs> I just I keep it like that. 
bless you. Scriptwriter. Feel free to say something else instead of that word. I didn't see it. I, you know, if you put those notes in Sorry, front of what I'm I reading. I should have. I should have. <laughs> I... That was fun. Thank you, John. All right. Uh, uh, let me. Uh, I, right, just... I got it. I got okay, it. Okay, cool, cool, cool. You fucking preppy stroopwaffles. Sirius shouted angrily. I know a four-letter word for dirt. Cruciatus! <laughs> Screamed Harry, but the sparks from his wand only hit Draco's car. It fell down, snapped quickly, crowled out of it, and picked up the video camera. Oh my fucking god! One. I cried because the video of me in the bathroom, the video of me dong it with Draco, and the video of Satan doing it with, If you kill me, then these videos will be shown to everyone in the skull. Then you can be just like that gothic girl Paris Hilton. He laughed meanly. No! I screamed. FYI, I have the picture of you doing it with Lupin, one one. What's she talking about? Lupin slurped as he sat in chains. Oh, saw too, she's gonna show everyone the picture. One one one. Harry shouted angrily. Shut up, one one one. Lumpkin roared. Bolish ignoramuses. Yielded Voldemort from his broomstick. Thou shalt die soon. Think again, you fucking muggle poser. One. Harry yelled, and then he and Diabolo and Naval both took out Blake guns. But Voldemort took out his own one. You guys are in a Latin standoff. One, one, one. I shouted deperiedly. Echo Neville's wound. One, one. Cried Voldemort. And suddenly, Neville's wind was in his hands. Now I shall kill thee and all in ebony. You will die. One, 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 one. He made lighting come all over the place. I cried sexily. I just wanted to go to the common room and slit my wrists with me friends while we watched Shark Attack 3 and Saw 2 and do it with Draco. But I knew I had to do something more impotent. Abracadabra! One, 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 one. I shooted. And that... Friends, listeners, and readers, is the end of the fucking story. Ouch. Yeah. So, firstly, we don't know who she killed. She could have killed herself. She could have killed Voldemort. She could have killed Harry or Draco. She could have finally, you know, killed Draco or killed Harry as she was requested to. Uh, what are you talking about killing? She yelled abracadabra. Mm-hmm. She she didn't yell Avada. According to her, it's Avada Kedavra. So, <laughs> unless you're unless you're not subscribing to that, it's satire. And she shooted it. She shitted angrily. <laughs> um, 
I'm going to answer the question that uh, Michael asked us uh, earlier and say, I don't give a flying fuck. <laughs> I don't give a French fried titty fuck oh, no. whether or not this is satire or not. It's excruciating. It's just, it has made me numb in every part of my body. I feel like Meg Myers, second record right now. Third record. Oh, sorry. I thought you were talking about Meg Ryan. Yes, Meg Ryan and I (laughs) were sleepless in Seattle. We both have bad haircuts and bad taste men. Oh, my God. We're closing the book on season two and My Immortal at the same time. You mean and season one we're closing the book on? Yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm dumb. <laughs> You're done. Um, hey, we're Tim traveling here. And I feel like I've learned nothing. And I feel like nothing matters and nothing's important. And I can't wait to just to Tim travel to next week where things have semblance. And we've already discussed restructuring. And things will sound normal. And if we do this thing again, it'll be on Wednesdays. I I need things to make sense, and nothing is making sense right now. Hey, John. <sighs> yeah. The world is a vampire. Ebony's day. My brain's destroyed. What in the... All right. Michael, thank you. And fuck you. Shane, I've uh, trampled on your job for too long here. Well, I I don't know what else you really want from us, as you know we have our free more episode organic super slap of an episode here for fifty two to take us out on our first year of craziness. But uh, we appreciate you all hanging out, Duwan. Thank you for being here. And uh, hey, man, it was yes, rad. It was rad. Appreciate listening it. Appreciate to us uh, rant about random nonsense and my random experiences in movie theater that didn't involve someone soliciting me. So no Vaseline, baby. <laughs> what we call like callback. <laughs> callback. Don't call it a callback. <laughs> I could have finished the lyrics, but I'm not gonna. I appreciate that. <laughs> all right. Thank you all for being here, as per usual. If you want to check us out on the socials, you can find them wherever the hell you want to. Because at this point, I'm done trying to put a gun to everybody's head. Uh, so, for the Disinformed Podcast, closing season one in the most beautiful, hate-filled fajita that we can, I am Shane. I'm John. And I'm Michael. And you and are... And was here for a little bit. Bless you. So long, and good night. <laughs>